<laughs> Can you use this as an outtake? Hey, everybody. You're listening to... The In Hindsight. In Hindsight. In Hindsight. In Hindsight. You're listening to the In Hindsight Podcast. Let's go. You said good. <laughs> At a certain point, you just said, all right, that's it good. It wasn't going to change. <laughs> I don't even think it changed. It, it didn't. I was doing yours. I was doing yours. All right, hold on. Let me turn it down. Is that is that sounding better? Yeah. Okay. Is that still too loud? All uh, right. Testing, testing, testicle. My bestie testies. Testy besties? Something oh. like that. Something. Is Jamie going to yell at me if I'm not close enough? I don't know. Jamie, are you pretty good over there? We set? Oh, please incorporate that in here. <laughs> like a couple other people. Like... Hey Denise, can I get another uh, drink? <laughs> just, just, <laughs> just random, random, people. just things happening. We yeah. talked about this last time. Just, just like yelling for certain things here, and just yeah. having them like not be there. Yeah, exactly. God damn it, Gabe! Yeah. Can you calm down over there, Marcus? How are we sounding on the audio side over there? We're doing pretty good. <laughs> it's just like nobody, <laughs> no one's ever answering. Yeah, you just the key is to just have that. That you hint at someone around, but you know, no one yeah. has to answer. You guys can all join Magarmy. We have uh, opening hey, spots for the Colonel. Oh, nice. What did I miss? Um, we we're just watching the uh, paint dry in this room and uh, admiring the burning flicker of the flame on that candle. Dude, I got, uh, actually, you gotta smell this candle. This thing is, I didn't. I got this thing, you know, when something's so nice, you, like some so nice and like just neat, you don't want to like necessarily ruin it right away. Yeah. Like the candles like all nice. There's not a oh, burn on it. That looks great. I smell that one. Oh. Is man, that not man. a dream? That is a dream. And I think it's really fitting with all the people here. Wilderness. Wilderness. Yeah. That's pretty. Will sweet. this make you feel like we were out there on the on the PCT if we, if we lit this thing? No. Okay. We'll just wait. I mean, if it smelled like forest fire, maybe. <laughs> was that was that kind of like what the PCT smelled like the most? Just that's uh, what was up. It in just flames. burns every year. So every year you're out there, something's burning. S- something's burning. Yeah. Well, that's actually a good se- segue because Jeff Gar My Er. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you can see this. I had to spell that out just so I wouldn't. Oh yeah, I mean it's spelled wrong, but it's phonetic now. Well, I had to do it phonetically. Yeah, that Um. works. That's a good help because sometimes I struggle to spell it too. Listen, man, I knew what I was like in kindergarten all the way through twelfth. I had to definitely spell these things like this. Um, Jeff Garmeyer, founder of Backpacking Routes. Yeah. Um. Okay, so I've got. Let's try that one more time. Jeff Garmeyer. Jeff is the founder of Backpacking Routes, author of Free Outside, a journey highlighting his epic 8,000-mile calendar year through hikes of the PCT, AT, and the CDT, also known as the Triple Crown, the endeavor that stretched beyond the physical tolls of his body to the mental perseverance he had to battle in order to follow through with this goal. Jeff, first off, well, if that's not on the back of my book already, I'm gonna need that text. <laughs> I will. Uh, what do they do when they when someone endorses it? Just have Jamie send that over to me after the. Jamie, pod. if we can just put that in the note there, we'll just get that over to Jeff so we can get that on the back of his uh, his book when you do the uh, 10th anniversary edition, right? Y- yeah, in, yeah, in like seven or eight years. <laughs> seven or eight years. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, dude, first off, you know, I didn't read it yet. 
I hope to. Um, to be honest, I thought you were actually going to bring me a book. This is kind of. I have one. I almost um, brought it in. Wow, almost brought it in. Yeah. So you got you made it made it here. Just didn't make it. Yeah, inside. it's just outside. <laughs> also, if you're more of an audiobook guy, you can get it on Audible too. I am, but I also like signed books. I like books that people sign for me that I don't actually read. That's kind of been kind of one of my things. How about I'll sign it to you, and then you can listen to the Audible. That'd be actually great. Perfect. Yeah. Make me pay for the book, yep. sign it, and then I'll buy the audiobook. Yeah, it's double that. dipping. That's yeah, what I like to do. That's kind of how you make this money go. Um, <laughs> first off, a monumental defeat in all this. I'm just curious from just reading the synopsis and learning a little bit about it. What prompted this journey to even start for you as well as what – how do I say this? Yeah, what, what prompted this whole thing? Because I have a follow-up question, but yeah, let's just start it off with a nice softball. Please tell me about how this thing got going for you. Yeah, I was working a job in corporate finance in Denver, and I just wasn't very happy with it. So I decided the natural thing and that any rational human would do is quit their career and leave for a year and spend all their savings. So instead of shopping for a house or buying a new car, you just go backpack in the woods for eight months, 252 days straight, do over a marathon a day and get attacked by moose and stuff. So I just felt like that was, you know, sometimes you're just faced with two choices in life and that's really what it felt like, you know, quit everything or don't quit everything. Hmm. I'm not a half-ass type of guy. (laughs) (laughs) But so what you say, you just supplemented the quitting of that corporate life to then put full-time work into the PCT, AT, and CDT? Or? I guess so, yeah. I mean, it, I'd read about people who'd, so I think four people had done it, maybe less than that, had done that before me, and um, I had thought about doing it. Uh, so it's like, yeah, 8,000 miles. You have about an eight-month weather window to do it, so you got to average like 30 miles a day, and I just thought, well, this seems like a pretty good time in life to go ahead and do it, so I sold my car. Um, I don't even think I put anything in storage this time. I think I just got rid of everything and then just went for it. And, uh, yeah, it was uh, really, I don't know, like one of those goals that you have for five or six years. And this is kind of the theme of my life too, is people are always like, Oh yeah. Like I, I want to do this someday or something. And in the last, especially five years or I guess six or seven years now, if I've had something like that, I'll just go do it. Now I'm 31 and it's like, wow, I need more things that I want to do someday so I can go do them. <laughs> I used them all up. I should have spread them out a little more. <laughs> we were talking about that the other day of just like hitting all these goals so early on and then being like, so what next? So uh, I guess this is where I should like go get a 401k or something. Where do they sell those? <laughs> Full circle, just back to the corporate life, just to get that four hundred one k. Yeah, look, Mama made it. I did. Are you proud of your son? <laughs> I mean, so the follow up question was, why that? Why getting on trail, getting lost? Both, you know, I shouldn't say getting lost out there physically, because you know you're following things, even though it will happen. But like getting lost within your mind to find yourself a little bit, versus say hopping on a plane going over to you know rural africa and being lost there for eight months like why this route for you rather than that probably just the english language was easier to master yeah that makes sense yeah um (laughs) 
But yeah, no, I was very unhappy in the job at that time. I'd like company I was working through, went through a change. I was like very depressed, a little suicidal. So it was like, I got to make a huge change in life. And so I made a drastic change. I, uh, through hike the Pacific Crest Trail when I was 20 years old, so about six years prior, and I I guess five years prior, and I knew that like I I enjoyed it out there. I like the singularity of a goal. Like your goal is to get from, in that case, Mexico to Canada. And at that young of an age, I'd found this one thing that was like solely focus. You can put anything in it, and it's like this goal is gonna last months, but to make up that goal each day is like so much flexibility. You can choose how you're accomplishing that goal. And that was a really empowering feeling. And I just knew that when I didn't love where I was at, I knew that this one thing that I'd done before was like something I could find a lot of joy and satisfaction in. So I went back to my roots of when I was like the happiest in my life and, and it worked and, you know, I bounced back, a couple times to like a little bit more corporate work, but um, worked on leaving that world for for good. I'm glad that you said that because that is something that I have had to figure out recently in my life, which is tapping back to where those points in your life that you were most happy with. And I think a lot of people forget those, myself included, all of everybody I feel like does that. And when you can tap into those roots that are those happy roots, and you can apply them to your modern day and work them like a muscle, you do find that you can kind of retrain yourself to like look at life through different optics. Yeah, absolutely. And I think there's a big difference that a lot of us have too, though, is you can live life based on like the nostalgia of a moment that was really good, like maybe going to where a memory 10 years ago happened and it's like cool to be back there, but you're not in that same like happiness sort of thing. You're just living on a happy memory. And then there's a drastic difference between that and when you're doing that activity that fulfills you versus just living on that memory that makes you happy reliving. So that's been something that you kind of learn along the way of just like, oh, it's so cool to go back to the Sierra Nevada mountains versus like, it's epic to hike through them or backpack or run in the mountains. And that's the activity that's the fulfillment versus just the like, oh, I remember I was so happy here 10 years ago. So it's a little bit of a, a finding your way on that front. But yeah, just finding those. It's, they're all experiences or activities or something. I I guess driving a sports car fast might be fun for like the two seconds it takes to get to 60 miles an hour. But I don't know. Beyond that, you just really got to put yourself out there. And it's usually the more you strip away, the more rewarding that experience can be. And so... You go and you do these three, the, what are they called? The, uh, the triple crown. What was the order? Yeah, I did the Appalachian trail northbound. It's about 2,200 miles. I started in early February and finished late April. And then I flew to, from Maine to San Diego, where I took a full three days off to rest after going through ice and snow in Maine and New England. And then I started the Pacific Crest Trail North in early May. That took about 79 days to cover 2,650 miles. And then I took the train out to Glacier. And then I hiked south for about 3,000 miles and finished that in 80 days. And 
finish the whole thing on I think October fifteenth. Wow, it's a whirlwind of a of a trip, and talk about like not knowing a purpose when you're done. <laughs> was, yeah, so let's talk about that. You know, you you went in and the motivation, the drive was these things that you said suicidal and just like having these, these thoughts that were maybe creeping into your mind as a young, young man, just entering into the world, leaving high school, all these things. And to come out of it, you know, it's like you said, like you come out and you think that, man, I'm going to have it all figured out, but yeah, you figure less out. You figure out more that, that you need to find something else (laughs) to do, (laughs) but yeah, it is. So you never think about the end of something. I think that's what a lot of people, I'm like, my parents are retiring and stuff too, but a lot of people kind of in that journey of life too, you never think about like, you might save all your life for retirement. You never think of like the actual day you do, but that day you like don't have work or like, it's sort of the thing of you work for a goal for a year and then you did it. So you don't have that goal anymore. And it's like, you got to refocus and point towards something else or else you're even less fulfilled if you're not you know, accomplishing things or being somewhat productive and creating or something. And I think that's a lot of, especially today, how there's so many realms that we can all create in. Once you've like depleted your creative energy, you just feel like you're, you're a waste or something, or you can't contribute anything. It's, it's such a fine balance of having goals out there in a manageable number that are achievable. And then also not running out of them because it's, the exact same feeling of, well, now what do I do? A hundred percent, man. And, you know, for me, the things that I've had to learn over these last little bit of time, especially over the last year, was that some of the stuff that I thought was very like, oh, man, like, Matt, you're like following through with all these passions and these goals. But it was kind of under a blanket or it was under the blanket of like running away from something. Mm-hmm. And I'm curious as to is was the feeling when you got off the trail, the fact that like maybe it was still, you know, disguised by you doing something that, yes, was something you wanted to do, but that you were also kind of trying to escape something. And even if you got done all these accomplishments, you feel like you didn't really face it head on of what you needed to. Or was that? Um, I think it was a lot more like each day you're present when you're doing anything where you're carrying everything you need on your back and covering 30 to 35 miles a day. So I was present every day with like, Oh, I have to get this much water at this next Creek. Or when I get into town in three days for this resupply, I got to get this much food or like, this is my plan or my schedule, or this is the weather. Everything is present and like has immediate impact. And then when you come back or you're done with something like that and it's pretty easy to run out of food and 10 minutes later be at the store getting food. It's like a lot less of that presence in life. And that's, what's the struggle that you lose so quickly is, you know, we never think about food, water, shelter, because we literally have a place to live with running water in a store close by. So I think that was the hardest thing to realize. And what was that main aspect that I was I guess facing head on is like going through the motions up until that time and the job I had and things like that, where it didn't require that much presence, I guess, Hmm. I guess kind of school through college and all that, like it didn't feel like it demanded a hundred percent presence. So I didn't really ever love it. I just did just enough to get by, but anything that required a hundred percent effort, 
as gone through the years. Those are the things I've chased. Like I want to hit as close to that peak potential or full effort level as possible. And anything where you can get by on like 50%, it's, it's just boring. I just try to not do it. hundred <laughs> percent, dude. I mean, do you think, and I've asked this question a couple of friends, do you think we are the first like pegged generation to kind of just start being like, I don't think the college way is really all that like fancy and like what I should be doing. Let's go explore life for a little bit. Or do you think it was like right before us? Like, what do you think on that? I don't know. I went to college cause it was expected. And now <laughs> I have a degree that I probably will never use again in loans that suck. But, <laughs> um, like, I think it was a, a good starting point for my early twenties of just like, well, you're making some money, but I didn't know anything about what I enjoyed doing in life until my mid to late twenties. So it really was just like a filler to get through, like, I don't know, close to another decade, I guess, before actually found some passion. So I do, I do think it's kind of wrong that when you turn 18, it's like, you can go get massive loans and go to school for anything you want, no matter if there's careers in it or not. <laughs> like that's pretty insane. I, I should have done something way more fun if I'm not going to use my college degree. I always think about that because I didn't do the college route, and I'm like, why didn't I just get a hundred thousand from whomever just to go with like, you know, yeah, f off for like <laughs> the years that I was in Breckenridge. Like, why was I working in Breck yeah. or any of these ski towns when I could have just gotten money from someone and be like all right, this is equivalent to your friend who just <laughs> left four years of college with $100,000 worth of debt and decided they weren't going to do anything with that degree yeah. and they just want to grow marijuana. And you're like, well. <laughs> <laughs> Especially, yeah, our I think we were overlapped in Colorado a lot. That would have been like the best deal is like a hundred grand loan and start up like a grow operation or a dispensary. Like, there you go. You would have seen, seen uh, Maddie Hines with some dreads, man. Wow. I know. I don't think I want to see that. <laughs> no one does, man. But too many people have. That's the problem. Wow. What made you think that was like a good, what you wanted to be? I mean, it's funny. <laughs> I was just talking with my buddy today and he was like, what made you want to do that? And I was like, I don't know. Bob Marley spoke to me as a kid. Like <laughs> I'm sitting here on a bus, not wanting to go to high school. So I chose vocational school, which took you out for half the day. Yeah. And every day on the, on the vocational school bus, which was like 25 minutes, I just plugged in my CD player, you know, and hit walk, hit the Walkman button, play, sit and play and being like, Bob Marley. This, I need dreads. I need dreads. <laughs> wow. I mean, you and him have a lot in common. So. Oh, I will, obviously. Yeah. I, mean, you know? I can see it right across from me. I almost <laughs> called you Bob earlier. Oh, thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> I did have a Bob blanket, but, you know, I kind of feel like I had to graduate from that when we were talking about that earlier. You know, when do we graduate a little bit? And it's like. Bob's always in here, man, but yeah. it doesn't need to be everywhere all the time. Yeah, yeah. Every, anything can live in your heart. Not everything can live outside your heart. True, but I feel like you have a tiger inside of here, but you also actually literally have one on your shirt. Yeah, yeah, no, that, it was intentional. No, I know. Yeah, yeah. you wanted to put your best Sunday dress on for me, so. Absolutely. <laughs> this is actually my Saturday one because oh, I feel yeah. like it you yeah. know, catches their eye. <laughs> Sunday we we repent. <laughs> So when did when did that happen? When did wearing did that happen on these on these uh, tracks? Like so it happened in 2018. I went, <laughs> I worked for about a year and a half or two years, and once again didn't love it. So once again, the natural thing to do was quit everything and yeah. go do something similar. Yeah. And before I, and if I can set this up, basically I'm talking about 
your fascination for wearing great clothing great clothing yeah yep. yeah clothing with animals on them prints uh unicorns yep. uh, all that stuff yeah i'm really getting into leopard print now so yeah, I'm, yeah. i think i'm in my leopard phase uh from what joe can does I... yoga we're very familiar with the leopard phase of your life oh that that was tiger print I oh think. that was yeah oh <laughs> yeah I, I wore tiger tights with a tiger face on them and a shirt that said best cat dad ever <laughs> so if anyone's wondering i just can't get a few visuals out of my head one being the hole in your crotch that we had a slider just pushing straight on and it, it wasn't a big enough hole to it, get in there so well yeah that's a good point <laughs> so when did that start for you wearing this kind of stuff and like what was the motivation behind even putting that on oh yeah this this is one of the greatest most drawn out origin stories so i was on this uh seven thousand mile loop um after quitting again if there's a theme if i don't like things i'll quit um sorry mom uh you like this podcast right yeah exactly i'm gonna just walk out sometime if it gets bad i'll let you know Yeah, yeah um but yeah i was on this uh I'd done about 5,000 miles of it. I was coming through Anaconda, Montana, actually, or I was a little north of there, maybe Glacier, and it was getting colder and I needed another layer. So naturally I go on Amazon because two-day delivery. Thank you, Jeff Bezos. And we'll have I'm, to cut that from here. Jamie, if you don't mind just plugging that and we can cut that. Thank you. Okay. Thank you, Jeff. Um, <laughs> and uh, I was browsing and you know it's like suggested products it's kind of a black hole which you can fall into and i started seeing animal print 3d animal faces and it was just like okay this could be kind of cool and the tiger one was the cheapest and also the most badass so i purchased that and started wearing it i wore it the rest of that trail and then the next year i set a few records on trails And I did my first ever sewing project, which is I cut the sleeves. I have two of these. I cut the sleeves off my other one and hemmed them up as my first sewing project. And I set the record on the long trail in Vermont with a uh, cutoff tiger hoodie. (laughs) And yeah, it's. And then the legend was born. Yeah, it's, it's pretty great to, you know, get to have fun at these things and occasionally do well and beat people who are wearing like performance wear. Yeah, so that's 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 what I wanted to know is what you know, you do this, it's fun, right? Like, oh, I'm just going to get a tiger print or like I own a Gumby costume. It's just like fun to just have yeah. fun out there with something that's like, you know, an interesting piece of garb. And after you do this, you just realize like you to your point, I beat someone with this all this performance wear. <laughs> and that in itself just goes to show you that like we don't have to take things so seriously mm-hmm. and we can still perform things. Now yes, the technical wear is like when it's pouring down rain, I'm guessing your tiger cutoff is not going to be the best thing for you. Oh, it's kind of wicking. Okay, yeah, obviously. Um, <laughs> you know, just a little little dash of wet on the uh, on the arms. Yep. But that's seam how you actually it. see the veins popping out, right? It's yeah, like, I yeah. seam seal it and tiger veins actually pop out. Tiger veins, yeah, yeah. yeah. And what color are those? Um, tiger colored orange. Yeah. I'm colorblind. Oh, for real? Yeah. Holy shit. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, is that breaking news? Uh, no, I maybe breaking news, maybe spraining news. (laughs) (laughs) So you put these things on, I just can't get over the, uh, the colorblind thing right now. Um, you put this thing on, you realize that you don't need to take these things seriously. And that I think 
from that point forward, did that kind of kick off the theme of just not taking all these things so seriously, even though you want to achieve them? So I would say like this, I'm taking them as seriously as anyone else trying them, but like not in every aspect. These are all supposed to be fun. Like no one's making a full-time income going to set the Colorado trail record or the Arizona trail record. So like I will take off all my clothes and take a naked photo in the middle of it because that's funny. (laughs) (laughs) Like, what who yeah. wants to see someone be like oh for 14 days in a row i i covered 52 miles a day it's like okay that's sort of boring yeah it's like what's actually entertaining oh i got naked behind this cactus and here's a provocative nude photo of me in the middle of a record i'm having fun out here it's like or like here's a photo of me super gluing my foot back together cuz it's so ripped up and i have 4 days left to set the record and it's like these are the things where you're a person. You're not like this just stat line you're reading online of how fast you're doing something, what you're covering or elevation gain. Like, oh, that's boring shit. It's all online on your like Strava or something. It's like, what's actually fun? It's like, well, if you like unicorns, go do something in a unicorn costume. Why did we lose that from when we were three? Like we wear like Halloween costume to school. So why can't I do it when I'm 31? I it's funny because I don't know. I think we were talking about this when we had dinner the other night and it was like, we get taught by society that like, you're supposed to grow out of that. You're supposed to grow out of this mindset. That is what we deem immature because an immature person is not desirable for a partner. It's not desirable for the workplace. I am single. Anyone listening (laughs) ready to mingle number is four Oh six five. No, um, (laughs) But yeah, there's this there's this undesirable attachment um, fact attached to that mindset of living like a kid because again the immaturity thought process. But in reality, if you can apply it to the things that actually allow you to be more free and more free up here and mm-hmm. in here, you know, mind, body, spirit, it does I think make make you more attractive as just an individual because I've always recited this line from this guy Mark Bone and he says you know people love watching people that love what they do yeah right when they love what they do people are fascinated and attracted to that and they wish that they had kind of that uh, the gusto to be able to do that themselves and yet they're held back because of whatever exterior things they have being pressed upon them feeling like they can't get out and I'm curious as to like you went through the corporate world, you felt that, you saw that, you realized that's not for you. How do you kind of continually every day go forward with this mindset? Because it seems like it's something that you need to put in place because of the trauma that maybe you lived through as a kid and the things that you know you need to get away from, that this is something that you found to be able to like live more high-spirited. Yeah, I just need to live authentically and be present, I think, is the main thing. And I can get that through like a cool community here or being out doing something or wearing whatever the hell I want to wear, I guess. And I think that it's taken a long time to have the confidence in like being who I want to be, but that's the most like fulfilling thing in itself is like, I don't think it's really overcoming anything. It's more just letting yourself be what you want to and not being like, Oh my God, everyone has a, 
I don't know, whatever these shoes are everyone has in Montana. And it's like, I don't need those. I'm just going to wear some Crocs that are rainbow colored with some like some bedazzled bow ties plugged into the little gibbet holes. It's like, (laughs) I don't know what makes life fun. What makes you smile when you look in the mirror? Because that's all you got when you look in the mirror. You better smile when you're looking at yourself. And if it takes wearing what you want to wear or having fun like you're four years old, maybe you should do that. If you want to sit in a mud puddle or go jump in some mud, that's fun. Like these are the things that we're not supposed to do or not supposed to like get dirty or life's not supposed to get messy. But I don't know. I've seen a lot of people like, or even like my dad or something, when you get in a snowball fight, it's like fun. These are the things that we let get away because we're supposed to be mature and grow out of them, but they're still fun. So maybe we shouldn't grow out of them. And why do you, what do you think that stems from? What do you think that like the societal pressure that tries to like stamp that out comes from? I think we're supposed to be like, so we are supposed to be responsible. And I think that's true. But we've from that, it's like spurred off into, well, we have to look put together. We have to portray more successful than we are. We have to just like be, I don't know, whatever this societal look of, successful is even if we're not and it's like what does that do that just makes everyone boring like if you've seen any number of movies where everyone just conforms like that's where it's no fun and someone has to break up the system again it's like why can't especially if we're working remote um or just rarely seeing people like i when i went and visited a friend last fall um he was going through a rough time so i flew out and had like I think I had a cutoff shirt that had like a um, like a Western look on it. And I wore that under a suit on the plane, flew out there and he picked me up and it was like he laughed so hard. And it's like, that's what's worth it. Like, I mean, the currency is laughs or fun or smiles. It's not like money. You don't get to take that with you. You don't like how nice your car is. It's great if that's what works for you. But what are like the real things that leave an impact on people? Because that's the only point of any of this. I love that. I love that. That is, uh, that's yeah. And for everyone, it's, it's gotta be a want to actually figure out how to live that way and to understand that about yourself. Because I think something I've learned recently, um, was that happiness is a muscle and you do need to, you know, like the gym, work it out and you need to be able to, flex that muscle and to constantly be con- like taking care of that. And that's a real thing because no one is just innately born happy 24 seven, 365 days. And when you said that maybe it's wearing something you want to wear or doing something you want to do, those are little like working out phases of that muscle that makes you hopefully become more comfortable in your own skin. Something that again, myself has found over the last year but has been looking for for a long time and meeting someone like you, you made me kind of enjoy running because that first day (laughs) I ever met you, we ran at the very back and you showed up just like a half second late and you were in the back with me. I'm late to everything. (laughs) If you can't tell, you're right on time today. You're 20 minutes late. It's perfect. That's that's Um, my time. I live on my time. I'm sorry. It's just how I am. um, But you made me appreciate how to like take this running scene and well, you can let them stack up if we need to see how the, the progression of how this whole night goes. Um, you made me appreciate running because you're like, I hate running. And I'm like, 
And then I come to find out you've done all of this stuff. And I'm like, how did he was just bullshit. And he doesn't, he doesn't hate running when in reality, no, you do to a degree. <laughs> you just enjoy mocking the community in a loving way because you go, I can bring this little bit of light to it by just doing and being who I want to be. Let, let me set the scene on this uh, story. So yeah, it was like a cold January day. There was plenty of snow on the ground. I think most people that were forcing themselves to go to a track, a track workout in the snow when it's like 12 degrees would hate running. So yeah, everyone's thinking they hate running. You know what? It just takes someone to say it out loud and give everyone to be, have permission to be like, okay, this isn't like what we're choosing to do. We're doing this cause it's like healthy and good for us, but it's like, it's okay to hate this right now, guys. This kind of sucks. Yeah. <laughs> and I think that that's, pretty important too because i think there's a lot of that faking things in society or like even a 5k fun run like i did the sweet pea run in crocs and run my one my age and it's like guys it's a fun run like i got a tiny medal and i don't know where it is doesn't matter but i had a great time doing this it wouldn't have mattered if i got last place or first i did another 5k pushing a stroller and it's just like this is funny to me this is fun it's a way to enjoy running, to do something different. And that time I really appreciate any mom that trains with a stroller. Holy cow. I could barely walk for a week. Like <laughs> I pushed like a 20 pound watermelon in a jogging stroller during a trail <laughs> you race. You wanted it to be authentic. Huh? Yeah. <laughs> I dread, I went to Goodwill and I got a, uh, a doll and cut the eyes out and the arms and legs off and plugged them into the watermelon. So I had a full kid that I named Kevin and I pushed him in the uh, race. (laughs) So it's just, yeah. Oh, I was just going to say like, just, it's all about just finding what you enjoy. Maybe it's playing chess. Maybe it's fly fishing. Maybe it's some type of running or backpacking or exploring. Maybe it's video games or learning or reading. And it's like, just don't let that go in your life. Even if you have 10 kids and a family, like find 30 minutes a day, 20 minutes a day. If that's what, really fills your cup and makes you happy. I'm never going to let those things go. If I ever have a wife someday, she's going to think I'm weird, but I am. <laughs> I feel like in order to get to the wife status, she's already going to know you're weird and she's like signed up for that. I, I'll probably just try to meet her and marry her quick before <laughs> she finds out. Like a, like a mail order bride situation where it's like, as soon as she gets here, you get, you get married and then it'll be like priority mail order bride. So it's like here in two <laughs> days, can't learn too much. The Amazon priority mail order, the two day, the yeah, two day, yeah. Maybe same day delivery if I go to a big city. Yeah, that brings us to our first sponsor, and that is Amazon. Um, I'd like to thank them for no. Do, <laughs> do we decide if that's actually legit? We could do that or not, or no? Yeah, but I wouldn't do Amazon. I would do something like, um, yeah, I'd really like to uh, thank Minivans for sponsoring this episode because you just know as you uh, move from. Towing gear to towing children. That minivan's always going to take what means the most to you. So (laughs) thanks to minivans. If you'd like to sponsor the next episode, um, it looks like water has jumped in to sponsor the next one. But after that, we have an opening. So let us know. Um, We're uh, pretty big on uh, farm equipment these days. There's just always two jockeying for position. It's never any more than that. Yep. (laughs) That's my tier that I sit at right now is always just like, Maybe there's two sponsors. (laughs) Yeah, Marsupials is making a strong case to jump in near the end of the month. but uh, They've expressed interest via one email. Yeah, so if you want to sponsor, just send an email to Dwayne at HeinzKetchup.com. 
Is that the name of the podcast? Yep. Uh, catch up with Heinz, maybe. Okay. Dwayne at catchupwithheinz.com to claim one of our remaining spots for the year. They are going quick, and uh, he'll send you a price schedule. And um, yeah. So back to the episode. And so we're back. Thank you, guys. Um, <laughs> totally uh, thrown off this whole thing. Um, so you're doing all this stuff. You know, we, we kind of touched that you were in Colorado the same time I was. Touching back a little bit, where where did this whole thing start for you? Where, where are we coming from here? Um, I popped out of my mom in Portland, Oregon in 1990. Good. I was at Seattle, Washington, my notes. So good, good thing for clarity on that. Thank yeah. You. And so I, I've been, been on planet Earth ever since, never left. So that, yeah. you know, sums up kind of my life journey. Yeah. And so from Portland... You go through high school, everything like that, through that, and then... Uh, Vancouver, Washington. So we lived across the river, right by the Portland airport, but... I knew Washington was in there. Different state, yeah. I lived in Seattle for some time, too. Hmm. And how do you land in Bozeman? I feel like there's a lot of other places that have kind of like a a set off... What's the thing? What am I thinking of? A launching off point a little bit closer to mountains than this. Yeah, um, I would say we can get into this. Uh, it's we don't a have to. It's a failed relationship, ultimately. I moved here, and as I've said earlier, I don't do things half-ass, and I jumped right in and moved in with a girl, and then a pandemic hit, and we dated for a year and a half and lived together every single day we were dating, which I don't know that I'd completely recommend that, but it Worked for some of the time and uh, then found a great community after we broke up and stuck around. I think this is how we originally bonded because I had done nearly the same thing, even though I was with the person maybe a touch longer. It's like (laughs) moving here and then being in like lockdown. Yeah. And you really do understand where your values and what you actually want out of your life sits. And yeah, reality hits, man. All right. What was the... Biggest thing you noticed as soon as you like moved in and it was like, that was like, you might well, she, not have she, even known bothered you, but you realized real quick that was uh, something I can go first if you need to think. No, I, uh, I mean, this is me asking you questions. So yeah, why don't you, why don't you start this one off? Oh, it was just like, I don't sleep very much. And my ex-girlfriend would sleep from like for 10 plus hours a night. And it was just like weird to go to bed later and get up earlier and it i don't know it just felt like walking on eggshells after 9 p.m it's like is this even my house yeah (laughs) i mean dude that's that is you know that's something that i definitely can see being an issue if it's the the sleeping does ultimately wind up becoming this little bit of like if someone's cranky if someone's in this like weird space where you're just not on the same like rhythm of how you guys like Oh, and Utilize her cat sucked too. Her cat was off. <laughs> hey, that's that's probably the main one, honestly. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Um, <laughs> for me, man, it, she was my ex came with a kid, um, and like a package deal. It was a package deal, man, and okay. you know it, it was something that you know without getting into this because I, I feel like throughout my podcast life I will ultimately flesh this out. Mm-hmm. Um. But reality was is that I just realized that it was something that I thought I wanted based upon childhood stuff 
you know, filling in a void of becoming a father figure and, and doing a, a good job at it. Mm-hmm. And then coming to realize that after the pandemic started to lighten up and that things were kind of coming out, that people were able to get back to normal life, travel, that I still had that itch to do that a lot. Yeah. And the reality was, is that with a package deal with a, a young kid that can't go to like hike the Himalayas for, you know, three weeks or something like that. It was just something that I realized that maybe this wasn't for me. I hope this kid hikes the Himalayas someday I, now. I hope that she accomplishes every single goal <laughs> she sets her her head to because, you know, she's a rad chick and, uh, you know, the, the daughter was amazing. And, yeah, I, I know that they can. But I just realized at this point when I have this burst, this ball of energy still, like, twirling inside me that I needed to kind of pursue these other creative endeavors, yeah. Yeah, I don't think these balls of energy ever die. And they just like morph into different things of like, oh, I love doing that. I want to try doing this or I'm loving learning this new style of something. And I think that's really the the passion and where things really come together is. I don't know what's life about development, both in like becoming a person and then like continuing developing and learning and getting better. And that's where this time we're living in of all these avenues to create is so cool but it's also crippling because it's like there's what probably like 10 major avenues you can be creating on right now and you want to do them all but if you try to do them all you'll do none so it's like we have so much opportunity but it's too much for unless you're just like picking one at a time or something so it's the greatest and the hardest yeah yeah, I I don't know if I told you this at dinner the other night, but I was talking to that. I was in Peru, and we had a shaman showing us around doing our, in our journey for a little film project. And I was asking him, like, what all do you do? Like, it seems like you're really busy. He's like, I'm busy, but I only do three things in my life. And I'm like, three things? <laughs> like, please. Eat, sleep, poop? Poop, yeah. <laughs> no drinking in there. So, um even though they did love to just chew on a fat wad of just like natural tobacco, just throwing it in there. And wow. yeah, yeah, it's a lot. Uh, it was a lot. Um, but he was like, I'm a, I'm a farmer. I'm a shaman and I'm a family man. He's like, those are the three things and I'm content with doing them for you. Westerners, especially the ones in America as a white male in America, you have every choice in the world. You have mm-hmm. every option to do whatever you want. And with that many options and with that much choice, you find that people are more depressed, more anxious, more everything than ever because they don't know what they want to do and they can't settle on just these couple things and be content with it. Yeah. Back to going to college at 18. You can be whatever you want, but probably you shouldn't be these 10 things, but you could still be them. But we're giving you these choices at an age where you have done so little in your life and had no responsibility. Choose your path the rest of your life. Some of the choices are wrong. Good luck. Yeah. yeah. It's like, that's off you go now. Terrifying. Yeah. little pat on the butt. All right. Next. Yeah, it's like our parents do great until we're 18. And then they're like, go be whatever you want. It's like, but I didn't, I don't ever figure out what it was. Yeah. I still want to be like a fireman from when I was in first grade or an NBA player. (laughs) Is that what the ones were? NBA player? I just wanted to be an NBA player. You got the height. But 6'2 is not very tall. It's not. And I saw your flexibility. It's pretty rough. Yeah. It's better after that skit. (laughs) 
I'd hope so. It was a yoga skit, so. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I flexed a hole in my crotch. <laughs> Ladies, still single. Still single. We're just going to keep touching on that one throughout the podcast. Don't worry. Yeah. Um, what, what, what kind of realizations happened off of the trails you know like what were some of the biggest takeaways that maybe you thought like this is a direction just to maybe even kind of uh counteract them and be like no 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 that's not ex- exactly what i want to do like i'm sure there was tons of stuff that popped up any any ones that float to the top yeah um so i 2011 i went on i was in the middle of college and realizing Maybe I was actually mature, not immature, but I was just realizing like, I have no idea what I want to do. And I hate engineering because the labs are too long and they're making me go to class too much. Great thinking for someone in college paying for it. But so I decided the best choice was to quit college and go through hike the Pacific Crest Trail. I was also working full time, so I was like way too busy. So I left it all, went in through hiked for four months, 2,650 miles, met lifelong friends and stuff. And that's when I first started thinking about like, if I can do this much in four months, like I wonder how far my body can carry me or if I can do what's called the triple crown and in through hiking or backpacking, which is the Appalachian trail, continental divide trail and Pacific crest trail. It's like, I wonder if I could do all the other two that I haven't done and become what they call a triple crowner. And then it was like, I wonder if I could do all three in a year. And so the idea was hatched and then, you know, fast forward, what, five years. And I like had an opportunity to go do it. So I did because everyone's like, Oh, I wish I would have done that. Don't wait till you're old. So it's like, okay, I won't. And then (laughs) went and did it um, successfully. So that was like, 8,000 miles in was like, I wonder if I could like orienteer across the desert. So on this loop, 800 of it was a route that I drew up myself, had to like cross the Sonoran and Mojave desert. I carried eight and a half liters of water at one point. It was a 70 mile waterless stretch. So it's like, I came up with these new challenges that I wanted to see if I could do completed that successfully. And then in the middle of that, I'm like, okay, I've done like things that are really far. I wonder if I can do fast things. So go to that next April after being a ski bum in Tahoe, which is something I've wanted to do since I was a kid. So I just went and did it. I went and worked at <laughs> uh, Alpine Meadows and Squaw for just a few days a week, finished my book. And it was just like, okay, now I've done the ski bum thing. Like my cup for skiing is full. Like I feel good about that. And so Um, the end of that winter, it was like, I wonder if I can do things fast. So I went down and broke the record on the Arizona trail and then the Pinhoti trail in Alabama and Georgia, and then the the long trail in Vermont. So I'd done all these things fast. And then it was like, I wonder if I can like run ultras or things like that. Or it's like, I've always wanted to be in the Barkley marathon. So I got into those and went and attempted them. It's like anything, maybe these goals take two years or three years or a long lead up or prepping, but it's like, I don't know. I, in fourth grade, I learned to ride a unicycle in like two weeks just by saving all my money, going to buy one. And then every day for like three or four hours, I was practicing. Like I'm, I'm so stubborn if something's in there that I want to do that I'll just figure out a way to do it. And it's been awesome, but it also means that other areas of life that are need a little more massaging or like social and like friendships have been more of a learned skill because it's like, well, no, I 
been gone because I wanted to learn to ride my unicycle. So I have not done anything but that for two straight weeks. Oh, you guys were wondering where I was. Well, I was just really busy. Like, yeah, maybe that's that's quite a weakness or a flaw is the uh, acknowledgement of maybe not everyone is exactly like that. And that's a pretty weird thing to obsess over something, figure it out and then move on. These little these little uh, quivers or these little things in our quiver, you know, are always funny to like, know. like I did the exact same thing as you instead of unicycling, just juggling. Yeah. Like I was like, why for two hours every day? like three hours every day did i just obsess over learning how to juggle yeah like, i <laughs> i performed case i ever need to show a clown up i don't know yeah i have circus skills i juggled at the farmer's market and wrote my unicycle on the unicycle growing up oh, yeah that's awesome. the talent fifth grade talent show oh brought the house down <laughs> <laughs> glory days baby glory days exactly <laughs> i'm curious because you did it reminds me of that quote, like every time you say yes to something, you say no to something, right? And you were saying that like by saying yes to all these endeavors that looked and felt like this organic progression inside of you to go, how fast can I do something? How long can I do something? How quickly can I do something? Like all of these things that were just naturally progressing after you did one mm -hmm. was fueling the motivation, it sounds like, but then also like allowing you to be like, how do I look at this this uh, this hurdle in a, in a different light? And I'm, I think some people feel like when they watch someone like you or they watch it from the outside, they feel like they can't do that. Mm -hmm. And it's always interesting because I think it does take that initial spark, but that spark to even get started is always so nuanced. What is that? What did that initial spark even look like for you? Or I guess maybe another question in similar light is how do you think people can find that spark? Um, you have to just do it and maybe you fail. <laughs> I Which guess people like, are very deathly afraid of. Yeah. I mean, failures, it sucks, but honestly, no one really cares after something's over. If you succeeded or failed, you might have one hour of glory or one hour of shame, but then everyone has moved on the best case scenario. Your biggest influencers online are hoping to get like three to seven seconds of your time daily when they post something. That's what like the biggest people in the world are hoping you donate to them. Or if someone drops a song, they're hoping like three minutes a year, you'll listen to their new song and give it a chance. That's as much as the most influential people in the year in the world are hoping for a year. And it's just like, why, why do we put all this pressure from other people on ourselves? Like failure sucks personally, but I really don't care that much about what other people think about it. Beyond that, it's really a learned thing of succeeding a lot, but failing some too. And it's like kind of embarrassing, but no one ever has cared as much as I cared at all. Like tenfold, I care way more about it than anyone else does about anything. But the initial spark kind of came from making this really insane decision to quit spring or leave spring term of my sophomore year of college and go through hike the Pacific Crest Trail, I had no idea what I was doing. Most people start with like a 30, 35 pound backpack. I showed up with a 55 pound <laughs> external frame backpack from the nineties. Um, I had no idea what I was doing. I was like crawling up a hill at mile 15 of the day. Still like didn't have enough water, was so scared the first night, every noise I thought was gonna kill me. Through like four days I'd gone I think 77 miles, but I like wrote 
because I blogged every day of every adventure I've done, but I um, wrote that I'd done 80 because it felt like if I said 80, I was successful like 20 miles a day. It's like, this will show like I'm fit enough and I can do this. It's like, no one cares. But like personally, I felt like I had to round up to 80 and then um, slowly like got to know people, got to figure it out, like learn these things along the way. My pack actually broke. It was too heavy at mile like 600. And so I had to um, use this like old rucksack out of uh, like this area called Kennedy Meadows right before the Sierra Nevadas. And I just sewed it up with dental floss and hiked through like 600 miles of mountains with a backpack sewed together with dental floss. So it was all through these like little failures that still ended in a big success. And that's what everything like ends up as. I mean, if you gain perspective or even if you decide you hate something that's a big success because you know what we have all maybes when we start our adult life and if you can cross them out that are like well I do not like that or it's like I do not like I don't like brunch it costs too much and I don't even usually eat before like noon anyways so why would I go to brunch that's a big plus because I'm never gonna waste money on a bottomless mimosa again because mimosas suck so You know, you just got to have those little victories. Maybe it's you find something you love or something you hate, but it's a lot easier to not keep doing the stuff you hate if you realize it. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, and the charge that they that they charge you for it. It's like this is like worth a whole bottle of like brute extra dry. And this is one glass like, yeah, why wouldn't I just drink orange juice or or champagne. Like, yeah. I don't want to mix them. I don't want them together. Like, I didn't. And yeah. don't throw a raspberry in there. Like, thank you. Yeah, I decided Blackberry. after Edward Forty hands, I didn't like 40s. <laughs> didn't. When they're taped to your hands and you just can't escape the terror. Yeah, you can't can't even pee. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think it. I think that really does make a big difference. And especially like your 20s and early 20s is you got to find out the things you don't like because by just trying that out or all sorts of things say yes to everything and if you find like five or six things you really like that's awesome but if everything's a maybe i like it or i've never tried that kind of sucks because you might be missing out on something that's awesome and it's weird because it's weird when people decide what things they're not afraid to do and what things cross that boundary in them being afraid to do it or like i guess i should say what things they're not afraid to be looked at doing Mm -hmm. you know like going and dancing weird and going to a club they're okay with doing that but then doing this over here that's too far for like speaking up in a meeting when their boss is talking or like having an opinion or asking a question at the end of a presentation it's like why it doesn't matter right because we we attach weights you know, weights to things, right? If I speak out at my office against my boss, I get fired. I lose, you know, my financial income. My family has to then go figure it out. But when I go dance, who gives a shit, you know? But if we can apply that mindset to who cares when I dance, because at the end of the day, everyone's living in their own world anyway, to the point earlier of that little bit of failure that might be embarrassing for an hour or a day or whatever that little time frame is we realize that everyone is so focused in on their own lives man everyone's continually got their own got their own stuff going on (laughs) that like yes we give someone a few seconds that is like oh man that sucked you see that person just fall on their face 
But then, like, you kind of leave, and, like, it might be a memory for, like, a couple people that talk amongst friends. But otherwise, no one really cares. Yeah. Like, Tony Hawk landed a 900. Who who failed and crashed trying to land a 900 before him? I don't know. Probably someone. Yeah. Like, who cares about the failure? And him a million times. Yeah. Who, ca- who cares about the failure? Like, it doesn't. Yeah it doesn't resonate the same and that's human nature. So I think, yeah, all these things of the dancing or something or speaking up or having an opinion or starting to like a bunch of people are like, I'd love to write something or something. It's like, we'll do it. I like probably the first thousand things I ever wrote were terrible, but mm-hmm. maybe the thousand one was like awful, but not terrible. <laughs> like you got to start somewhere and that's the biggest thing. Maybe you hate writing, but you've always wanted to write. Well, if you write, maybe you'll save yourself like a bunch of agony over. I wish I'd started doing this. You can cross that off of things you wish. Yeah. And so was the, was the motivation to even write something from the trails or was that always something that you were enjoying and that something was like kind of a love for you? I don't even know. I just always thought I should like write a, either one paragraph or more or less depending on the day, but of like every day of every adventure I've done. So that's like four or five years of, of my life in a tent or something at this point. But it's, um, just was like, I would, I like that. Uh, I don't know, like structure or something written down of it just is enough to jog your memory. Maybe it's more. And then after that, adventure in 2016 it was like oh, I bet I could turn this into a book it it was honestly more of like a thing well a lot of people really want to write a book someday like I think I could do it that sounds kind of fun I'll try it out and then like within a couple of years I put out a book and it was just like I can't believe I went through the whole process but I guess there's a book now <laughs> and then like I had a microphone and did my own audio stuff, hired a sound engineer to clean it up and stuff. But it's like all these things are daunting, but if you break them down into like one chapter or one page or one line or recording something like, Oh, if I just say all the things like I can just hire or find someone to pay that can clean this up. It makes it a lot less daunting. If you just break it down, like write one chapter Maybe half of people that have always wanted to write a book say, I don't want to write a book. That's an amazing win. Like put your time and effort that we have on the planet into the things you actually want to do instead of always being like, I wish I could do this or I love doing this. It's like, maybe you do, maybe you don't, but let's like hone in on maybe you're chipping away at it or maybe you decide you don't want to do that. Both of those are awesome routes. (laughs) And I want to go back to the, failure thing too is I think the failure and deciding or when things get really hard and maybe it doesn't work out that's way more important than the success personally because that's when you figure out how much you actually want to do it if you're going to go back and try again or if you enjoyed it or like the process or if it was worth it if you didn't hit this end goal that it was all about and if it's like if you got like I failed at a record attempt on the superior hiking trail last October. And I had an amazing three days, like nothing was going right. Like number of excuses I could have, but it just wasn't like, didn't have the mindset, didn't really have it in me to set a record on that one. It was supposed to be like a 
six and a half day push and I quit after three, but I had an amazing three days out there and I ended up staying out and exploring some more stuff. And it was like, still really enjoy this. This just was not how I wanted to explore or attack this goal. And that was as valuable as setting a record. It's like you get to put it all in perspective of, I love doing this. And sometimes I just kind of force something out that wasn't going to be there. Yeah. But you, the, the cool thing about sometimes forcing those things is that like, you do put yourself into the situation and you just kind of see what sticks. And again, it could be the success you wanted, the, the, the victory, the record, mm-hmm. or like you said, a great three days, maybe things didn't go right, but you come back and you go, I'm still doing what I want to do. And at that point, it doesn't really become a failure or success thing. It just becomes, I'm still living to who I want to be through and through. Yeah. And that one was really cool because it also empowered a lot of other people to take some risks on things like that, where it's like, well, what if I fail? And it's like, I mean, nothing really happened to me when I failed. Like I actually had a good time out there. It was a good experience. I got to push myself in new ways, overcome some stuff I haven't had to try to figure out before. And at the end of the day, I was not disappointed at all. And maybe that's like this big myth is every failure you're disappointed. Maybe you're disappointed. You didn't get the overall goal, but I think you, yeah, you really learn a lot of things when things don't go right. Like you don't learn how to change a flat unless you get a flat. Like you gotta have stuff happen or you never learn anything. You didn't have fix a flat class in, in high school. No, I didn't go to vocational school. Oh well, yeah, obviously it's... it wasn't listening to Bob Marley <laughs> as I'm fixing flats. <laughs> um, yeah, and uh, lost my train of thought. I had a really good something I was gonna say about that. I just I, I think that oh I was gonna say like when you put the most extreme thing as what we define as failure at the top of your mind and go, What is that? Well, if death is that and everything below it is something you can live with, no pun intended, then like where what are you afraid to go do? Why go afraid? Why be afraid to go and venture into that world and see what happens? You so know? you're saying everything below it, people would be afraid to live. Oh, <laughs> boom, boom! <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for listening to uh, the. This in- wraps <laughs> up the entire uh, Heinz Ketchup podcast. <laughs> you just. At some point, someone's gonna be like, "Dude, I listened to your podcast. The Heinz Ketchup is so good." You're like, "Fuck, man!" Like Jeff just. I kind of like ketchup with Heinz, <laughs> but that's the, that's the alternate podcast that we're gonna start. I've Ooh. got doppelgangers as one coming out. Yep. Um, it's not actually coming out, but one that I've wanted, where I find two people that look alike and talk <laughs> about what they do in life, and it could be like a janitor and one, and like a CEO of something else. And please make it just Bozeman, so like they're not <laughs> that closely looking, but you like really force it. It's you're trying really hard. I was going to go there with a joke and I'm just going to refrain from it. But yes, I agree. Like finding two people who just like, they've like the same hair and that's it. It was like, Oh, um, ganger. Yeah, exactly. Like if you close your eyes, they're kind of similar, but not a whole lot. Like you and Bob Marley would be perfect. Yeah. Me with dreads and Bob Marley got confused all the time. People were constantly taking photos of me being like, Bob, Bob, Bob. And I was like, yeah, it's not him. I doubt it. Yeah. Okay. Um, <laughs> so, you look at everything that you've done and you kind of take it all in. You're still following through with all this stuff. 
where do you kind of foresee yourself going as as we start 2022 as you you know kind of start moving into the next chapters of life like where where do you want to see yourself because you, you know obviously you've you've checked all your goals off so what's the <laughs> what's that so what's the next iteration of goals that you can that you've kind of maybe come up with i don't know i think i need to crowdsource them yeah um i'd love to someday set the record on the pacific crest trail so that's every every year i think about if i'll do that and that would kind of book in that whole life of through hiking or going after records because it would be it would have been my first one and then it if i could get the record that would kind of like put a stamp on that and then after that i don't know i love uh working and promoting advocating and doing some public speaking to benefit and bring awareness to the mental health space and also promoting tools outside of and including like therapy, but also like wilderness stuff and like finding something where you get to eliminate distractions and be present too, because I think it is really great to, you know, get rid of the stigma, but as anything like that, I don't think we'll ever in our lifetime, get rid of the complete stigma. And it's so hard for some people to come to terms in their life with telling family members or admitting to people that they're going to therapy or something. It's like maybe can bridge the gap of like, you know, like other resources as well, or advocate for like telehealth therapy or something like that. That's less invasive. Or if you're not ready to make it a part of, having to tell your boss you're going to therapy an hour a week or something. It's, I think that's as big a part of mental health moving forward as eliminating the stigma is, I mean, it's ironically, I am pretty private about a lot of things and it's like, I don't think anyone should have to share some of the big things in their life like that. And if there's just more flexibility and ability to work through mental health stuff like that, and more tools for people to use where maybe they don't have to share it with even their parents or something like that if or friends or something i think coming up with alternative stuff like that's only gonna benefit humanity i guess moving forward because yeah if we're eliminating the stigma or working to bring awareness and get rid of the stigma that means there's still a stigma so let's uh, be cognizant of the people who maybe are dealing with it but don't want everyone to know either i couldn't agree more man first off i'm a huge advocate and fan of you know wilderness therapy um i did some projects for some organizations that brought you know wounded veterans out into the wilderness for multi-day hikes trips etc and just getting them to experience a morning where they're hearing every sound it's so visceral the creek flowing the birds chirping crickets um the wind I just saw their themselves, like not knowing them really before being Mm -hmm. the kind of the camera guy on, on, on the thing. Um, I watched like a change in in just a short amount of time, whether it be a week or two weeks, whatever it was. And the other thing I wanted to say was that's kind of the impetus for this podcast to some degree and something that I originally had in the trailer, but I wound up taking out and it wasn't because I was ashamed of saying it. It's just, I didn't want this to be pegged as something of, uh, such a heavy topic of mental health because there's podcasts and things out there like that already that mm-hmm. speak to it. I wanted this to be a a revisit of someone's past, and I want to go after people far and wide, and you know, 
CEOs and people that have made big things happen in society and whatever, whether they're mayor or whatever. And that's because I want to always be able to touch on what little challenges were going on for you and in the personal world, but really just like, was there something going on mentally too with you or something that may have hindered you with depression, anxiety, or any of those above? And how did you work through those? Because I think so many people, I know so many people have an iteration of those <laughs> and the stigma in society still to this day, even though it's, I think it's getting chipped away a little bit more and more still fear coming out to talk about it, still fear the unknown and still fear going forward to figure out how they can break through. And I think there's so many people who have gone through it, yourself included, mm -hmm. that have these stories to tell. And I hope inspire people to get up in their own life and figure it out and figure out what they love to do and what really truly hits home for them. Yeah. And I think that a good difference to point out is like, we're chipping away at the stigma, but I also think there's this thing, even if there is no stigma about something, you don't have to like publicly share or be open with all the people or any people in your life too. like a lot of mental health. It's within you. Like no one knows like I've gone through weeks of terrible anxiety and no one knows I'm going through it because you're fighting this battle on the inside and like, it's great to. Um, like I go to therapy every week and stuff too, but it's great to be able to have that. But also beyond the stigma, it's like if whatever is working for you, if you're talking to someone or doing something or working with your doctor, like you also don't have to share that even if there is no stigma. Like I think that a little bit of this whole mental health awareness movement, I think 99% of it's great. But the end goal isn't for everyone to be super open about mental health. Like we just want the burden of feeling judged by that gone. But you never have to share these things with other people if you don't want. Like I've chosen to be open myself, but I never want anyone to feel the pressure like they're contributing to the stigma if they don't share. No, mental health is very personal, personal and it can help people along the way or you know, if you're a happier, better person for working through it, you're also helping people along the way. So there's no pressure on either side. And I think it's pretty hard to always see like, like getting rid of the stigma or like, uh, you know, eliminating the stereotypes or things like that. It's like, just, it's your personal journey. There's people that can help. There's probably friends that can be supportive, but if that's not where you're at, you don't got to do it. <laughs> And again, I think that that's why I removed it from what the theme of this podcast was, because I never wanted to have that be a motivating factor to have someone on. Because again, I wasn't trying, I'm not trying to cure the world of mm -hmm. all this, to your point. I hope within everything you said and what we've just kind of talked about is that if you get, say you get that Mark Zuckerberg or Jeff, Jeff Bezos in here, and they do shed light on something that they had gone through, when you start Maybe those two aren't the best examples. But if you get someone who's more of a cultural figure that people actually appreciate and like a little bit more. Yeah, we're going to cut that We're going to cut that. Um, I can't use Jamie anymore. What, what, what do we want to do? We want to, like, um, Shemay? Hey, Harold, uh, can you can you note that? We're going to note the time code there. We're going to cut that out in post. <laughs> Harold. Um, <laughs> Just a, have a list of names before every podcast. Exactly. And then move yeah, down yeah. It. <laughs> but... Uh, Harold is here. For Harold is here, obviously, yeah. Um, 
finding people, finding cultural figures and people who matter in communities, like starting small, right? Crawl, mm-hmm. walk, run. Starting with like the community of Bozeman or Jackson or wherever else that I can tap into that I've been a community member and utilizing the people that are cultural figures within them. I hope influences people in that community to not just come out and share, but like to your point again of I've got this, I'm going to be open with it. Cause that's what I feel like I need to do. Mm-hmm. You don't have to, but if you hear someone that you looked up to in that community and they had to go through those hurdles and they're willing to be open about it, that can spread and have a huge impact on just that community. And then you work your way out from there. Yeah. And I think that has been somewhat of an underlying goal and theme for me but not an upfront one that I'll ever like attack or pursue. Like I'm not going to come up to like, you know, whomever and go, tell me about your darkest days so we can let everyone here know about them. So they feel better. Like that's not what it's about. Yeah. And I, I think this flows right into where we were at earlier with failure and stuff is I think that maybe your darkest days or, or failures along the way or, the bumpy road and the journey to where people are at. Those are, those are where everyone connects with people like, okay, covered this amount of miles in this many days, or I didn't sleep for three days straight on an attempt and was hallucinating stuff. That is not relatable, but like I've ended up in the hospital with a crippling panic attack. Maybe that eliminates or that like is a lot more relatable to when you have like a really, bad day or something like I mean accomplishments are cool and that's like what people want to write on their resume but you don't really get you get to know what worked that time with a a success but the failures you're like well we're not going to try that again or next time I know what that means it's it's like those are life lessons compared to just like life check check marks or resume items I don't know that's where you relate to people is Mm -hmm. we've all had these spectacular failures and they kind of are because we get to like learn some pretty epic lessons from them. I couldn't agree more, man. So learning lessons, spectacular failures. What things do you have coming up? That might be a win, victory, failure, defeat. What, what do you got coming up? Yeah. I'm, I'm running a 250 mile race in about 10 days in my longest run in the last month has been seven miles. Um, I've been dealing with an injury, but you know, I got, I got confidence. I'll, uh, so if I do seven miles, what, like 30 times in a row, I'll only have 40 miles left of the race. So that's going to get me there. That kind of thinking, <laughs> but I ran this race last year. Uh, I have a giant base. Of course I hate running as that's kind of how we met and bonded. And so it's really smart to enter a multi-day, probably three and a half, four day race <laughs> of running. But like you said, man, as long as you're just like, eh, we're good. Yeah. It, it's going to work. I mean, I'm going to show up at the start line and put my pants on the same way everyone else does and see what happens. Really? I feel like that's not like you. I feel like you want to do something a little different, maybe put them on backwards. Yeah. I'll probably wear tights or tights a or something like tiger that. Yeah. Outfit. Yeah. A little, yeah. Full, full tiger. <laughs> yeah. They'll be live streaming. Kitty cat the race. paint, just like on like little whiskers. Oh wow! You heard it here first. That <laughs> that is happening. Yeah, they'll be live streaming the race, so you can tune in and watch me with the kitty cat whiskers. <laughs> well, I can't wait, man. I uh, I'm gonna be championing you, and you know, 
praising your name out there for this race and i wish you the best of luck and jeff thank you so much for coming on man i really appreciate it and uh yeah yeah i mean there's no better way to spend a friday evening than catching up with heinz you're just gonna add that last little bit in there huh just constantly just jabbing in there well in hindsight what do you wish you asked me (laughs) way to bring it full circle bud i don't know because my camera is screaming at me like three minutes until the camera dies so that's awesome um what do i wish i asked you I don't okay, know. you you have to have a colorblind question. Point at some color. You know, I was going to ignore that because me. I did not want. I've got a friend who's colorblind, and the painting is not in here, but it was a beautiful painting that he <laughs> did, and it's got color and everything in it. And I tell people all the time, it's colorblind. Okay. My, how how does life look colorblind going and being on a trail where you'd want to see and feel all those colors, which is what like wildflowers are for people. Well, in you know, in consideration for time left on your camera, I'll just tell one colorblind story that should bring it full circle. So freshman year of high school, my mom bought me this pair, this set of colored pencils, and they didn't have the names of the colors (laughs) written on them. It was for world geography and we had to color a map. And, um, I colored the entire ocean purple and I turned it in and in front of the class, the teacher gave me detention and said I was making fun of her project. So I had to go to detention and I told her I didn't mean to, I was colorblind and she felt so bad, but I won in the end because she said I get to pick out whoever I want to sit next to me. So I picked out the girl I had a crush with and she had to sit next to me and help me with my colors the rest of class for all the coloring projects. So blue, purple, green, red, brown, all anything with red in it, I'm terrible at. So folks that are single out there, a little bit of advice. If you can use the colorblind thing, you know, you can actually go up to a girl that you're looking at or a guy you're looking at and say, hey, can you help me with this? I'm colorblind. Yep. How you actually keep that lie going is another thing. But just the, the entry yeah. This, what, this is what we're teaching. Yeah, yeah, it's how you sit next to someone. It's how you sit next to can someone. Can I sit here and can you help me with my colors? Yeah. Well, buddy, I appreciate your time. Yeah, Thank you so much. And, this was uh, fun. Best of luck on your trip and hopefully we'll be chatting soon. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Yeah, bud. You. Nice work. Ah, you, man. That was awesome. All right. I'd like to thank my guest today for being on the show. I'd also like to thank all of you for your continued support as we move forward into this journey. And to remind everyone, including myself, that doing anything for the love of it will ultimately bring more worth than if otherwise. I'm thankful for these moments spent, and I hope you can find a moment to be thankful for the things you value in your life and pass that on. I'll see you on the other side.